You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. And welcome back, Real Presence Live listeners. If you're just joining us on this beautiful Tuesday morning, uh, Nick Bedelski and Melissa Scaccio coming to you live from St. James Coffee here in Rock and Roll, Rochester, Minnesota. And the sun is out. Kind of, sort of. It might be a beautiful day. It's a little gray, but at least there's not as much fog as there was earlier, right? It's supposed to be like 50-something degrees today. Ah, so it'll be a nice day. Like 50 degrees warmer than two days ago. Awesome, awesome. (laughs) So, um... Our next guest, uh, I'm very excited to bring on the air. As uh, you've probably noticed in different shows uh, that I've hosted before, as a Ukrainian Catholic, I try and bring in some of the spirituality of the uh, Eastern Catholic churches. And so I'm very honored uh, to be able to bring on Father uh, Maximos from Holy Resurrection Monastery in St. Nansian's, uh, Wisconsin. And he's going to be speaking to us about the monastery, his, his own uh, faith journey, as well as the Jesus Prayer, which uh, perfect time during Lent to talk about that. So welcome to the show, Father. Thank you very much. I feel honored to be here. Uh, would you mind telling our listeners a little bit about, um, it, they may have heard me just mention Wisconsin, and then they heard your accent, so uh, obviously there's a story there. Um, could you let our listeners know a little bit about your background? Yes. Uh, you know, I often tell people I'm a, I'm a Australian, Romanian, Greek, Catholic, living in Wisconsin. And it's a long story. <laughs> I'll just give you the, uh, the, the cliff notes. Um, so I was born in uh, Australia, if you can't tell from my accent, um, <laughs> in a little town called Nowra, about 100 miles south of Sydney in New South Wales. Uh, I'm, that was 1966 I was born, and um, brought up uh, by, a, by a Catholic father and a Presbyterian mother. Um, although I, my mother actually just who passed away a few months ago, converted to, was received into the church on her oh, death. beautiful. Great blessing. Beautiful. Um, I know I had a happy childhood, and I, I grew up thinking, <laughs> I was kind of a, a, a loner, and, and, and sort of, um, but we'd often spend time in church by myself. Um, those days, churches were <laughs> more, more open during the day than, than they are these days. Mm. Um, you could actually go in um, and just sit. I could just sit in the in the church when I was in, in elementary school. It was a Catholic elementary school, uh, St Michael's, and the church was often open. And often, you know, being an Australian, uh, the weather was often very very warm. But in mm. the church, it was cool, mm. it was cool. And I could sit there and and gaze at the crucifix. And I, I remember, I think that's where the seeds of my monastic vocation came in. Mm. Uh, in my Late uh, adolescence and early adulthood, so basically the time I was at university in Sydney, toying with atheism or agnosticism of some sort, some sort. And I think it was, I think really looking back on it, it was what I was running away from was not God, but the call of God to, to a vocation, which ultimately would turn out to be a vocation to monastic life. Um, so I was, I, was, I was, I think, always aware from the very beginning that to connect to God was to, was to was required complete surrender, hmm. complete surrender, and nothing else would do. And if I wasn't prepared to, to be all in, um, I wouldn't I wouldn't want any of it. And in the end, hmm. God won. <laughs> <laughs> As He always does, right? As he always Can't does. run from Him forever. <laughs> uh, that's right. 
Um, so, so um, but uh, he, he, as you mentioned, you know, kind of didn't you didn't enter uh, along that monastic track right away, uh, correct? You had no. a, a career and, and things first. I did. Um, I uh, did a law degree, among other things. That um, mm. Ooh, that, wow, that's enough. impressive. Um, I practiced as a, as a solicitor, as we would say in Australia, a lawyer, um, for about three, or three and a half, four years uh, in a pretty large um, commercial law firm in Sydney. And, you know, so I, had the op- I, had, I guess I had the opportunity of making considerable um, money. Um, but it just didn't... I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think I, I disliked it. It just didn't seem to have the same kind of... Um, Meaning um, mm. that uh, that I, I found in my, in my faith, and I just I just wanted to follow that that train wherever it led. Those, those breadcrumbs that the Lord left in my path. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so so, what was it in the end that kind of drew you um, out of that world uh, into uh, the monastic life? Well, that's that's where the story becomes quite lengthy. But so again, I have to give you the cliff notes. Essentially. <laughs> Um, I, I okay. I was brought up Roman Catholic, right? And mm-hmm. um, as I said, and I I went into that sort of do I want to be a Christian or do I not want to be a Christian phase uh, from about mm-hmm. the you know, ages of eighteen through twenty one or twenty two. Mm-hmm. And what finally drew, drew me back was the beauty of the of the Eastern uh, churches, their their, mm. their their music, their iconography, mm-hmm. and especially the poetry. Mm. Of the, of the church hymn, um, which Absolutely. I encountered in English for the first time um, through coming into contact with the man who's now my abbot, Father Nicholas Zacharias, who, who was uh, a, a Dominican priest at that, at that time, although of the... Um, uh, well, actually, he was born in uh, Alexandria, so technically he was, he was a, uh, a, an Alexandrian Greek Christian. Um, uh, but generally, people just say Orthodox, Greek Orthodox. Uh, who had become Catholic, uh, but wanted to re- re- return, sort of return to his own roots in the Byzantine Church and wanted to start a monastery. Hmm. And that, that all in- intrigued me, and, and so I just began to um, go to some of his services, which were he held them mostly in English. They weren't hmm. very grand. Um, they, they weren't. In fact, often he didn't even wasn't he wasn't even able to use. Uh, Incense, or, or have a permanent chapel with it was sort of a mission missionary life he was leading. But because, in fact, it may have been because the the, the setting was so plain, that the poetry stood out the more. And I was just entranced by by the uh, the beauty, beauty of the language, and the way in which language mm-hmm. was impressed into the service of worship. The language didn't get in the way; it actually uh, promoted a, a spirit of whether it's compunction or um, awe or wonder or whatever it was. Uh, particularly, the, the thing that most struck me was the uh, Akathis hymns of the Mother of God. Hmm. Uh, just the uh, uh, repetition over and over and again um, of this, these beautiful praises to Our Lady. Um, mm-hmm. All of those things touched me, and so I, I can say that you know, I was brought back into the, into the, um, into the church through the, the, the hook I was fished out of the uh, waters of agnosticism and placed in the bark, uh, the, the ship of truth, through the beauty of the Eastern churches. I didn't reject anything my my bring. I'm very appreciative of everything, all the foundation that it laid. Uh, I don't, I haven't uh, 
I'm not running from, from anything in the West. Right. But I was embraced by what the East had to offer. And that's, that's basically what I needed for, for my salvation and I think to follow the Lord's will in my life. Right, and that's uh, that's the story of a lot of uh, Eastern Catholics. I was raised Roman Catholic, and like you said, nothing wrong with being Roman Catholic, or nothing that drove me away, or anything like that. It was just a certain beauty, and uh, you know, I, I I remember thinking to myself, this is the way my soul was always meant to pray to God. Yeah. Just yeah. there's something there that's so natural, even though it's completely different from how I was raised. Something in, like you said, the poetry of the language, the movement, all that really speaks to me in a way that just clicks, uh, for yeah, lack of like a, a better word. Yeah, it's like a, a jewel that's kind of been turned over in, in the sunshine, and every now and again a ray you know, strikes you from a different facet. Mm. The same jewel, same plate, but from a different yeah. perspective. It's, it's all been, um, been about. Could you, could, I am not familiar with the the other rites, um, other than the Roman Catholic rite. Could you explain a couple, maybe about a couple of the big differences um, between the Roman Catholic rite and then, um, like, the Ukrainian rite or um, yeah, sure. what, whatever was in Australia? Okay, yes. Um, well, first of all, there's a, we have to draw a distinction between church and rite, right? Uh, church is a community. Rite is what this community does in, in its public prayer. So... Right is what you do, uh, and church is what you belong to. So the um, Ukrainian Catholic Church, uh, which came into being around in the 16th, uh, 16th century, mm-hmm. uh, I think, if I get my dates right, um, yep. was 1596, right? Yep. Uh, came out of the, uh, the well, I guess the, the, Orthodox, the Orthodox Church in that, in that region. Um, so they... But, they were able to keep all their uh, traditions and ritual practices um, and uh, still enter into communion with, with the Holy See. Um, I belong to a church which did the same thing in 1700. That's the Romanian Catholic Church. What's the difference between the Ukrainians and the Romanians? Well, we, we follow the same rite because our, our way of worship comes out of the same uh, renew, which is to say the, the Church of Constantinople, which is now mm-hmm. today called Istanbul, uh, which was originally known as Byzantium. And so that's where the word Byzantine comes from. So both the Ukrainians and the Romanians are Byzantine in ritual observance, with a few minor differences because of language and music and folk customs and so forth. But we we are separate churches because we're different communi- communities. Um, and those communities are generally these days and have been for a long time, for many centuries, uh, delineated along ethnic lines, which is a little bit of a pity. Yeah. Um, because that's really not the, the, the way in which the church was supposed to be set up. Right. But that's what we've got. Um, and so there, some of the differences would be uh, from the Roman Catholic... So the Roman Church, see, and the, the Roman Rite are identical. That's why a lot of people have the, make, make, make the distinction. The Roman Church is the community of Catholics all around the world. They happen to be the, the, by far the largest. Um, so that's just an accident of history, really. Uh, at one point, the Eastern churches were much bigger than the Western churches. Mm. And, you know, the way, the way things are going, maybe that, that will... <laughs> who knows? <laughs> uh, um, I think, the, as far as the differences, primarily would be um, the fact that we've always used vernacular or, or a high, stylized versions of vernacular, whether that's uh, Greek or, or Church Slavonic, uh, or now that, nowadays in the, uh, the, the language of the people. So we, in America, we use a lot of English. Um, we emphasize beauty very much in our services. 
So our services are long, uh, but they, they, we always use icons, in the Byzantine right anyway. We use icons a lot. Um, we reg- we hi- highly regard um, singing, church singing, and as I said, I've, I've said poetry a lot. Um, mm. We use incense more promiscuously than <laughs> <in> the West. Because <laughs> um, we, like, we, like, we love the you know, sense of smell should be in there. All the senses, really, are, are, mm-hmm. are, are used in, in our worship. So we anoint with oil um, a lot. We, uh, mm. we venerate the icons. So, so uh, touch, the sense of touch is, is very much, it's very tactile, the yeah. right? Um, and actually, pretty much all the Eastern rites uh, are the same uh, in that regard. Um, yeah, I, I, I feel like I, I could spin out into spin that into way, way, too much complexity. So I think I might leave it there and see if that made sense. Oh, absolutely. You know, and there are there are a lot of points of difference, but of course we're all drawn back together by the same uh, the same faith uh, at its core, right? There might yes. be different yeah, we, we em- we different recite- emphases and and things like that, but. Yeah, absolutely. We're saying you know we receive the same uh, faith from the from the same deposit of tradition laid down by the apostles, uh, and we we pronounce that every time we say the same creed. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, absolutely. and then in practical ways, I mean, our bishops sit on the uh, uh, USCCB, right. as well as having contact with their own uh, uh, church structures back in the, the old country. In quotes, mm-hmm. if there is one. Um, mm. Yeah. True, true. Well, um, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Holy Resurrection Monastery after we come back from the break, because we want to have enough time to, to cover that. And, of course, uh, as I mentioned at the start, would love to get into the Jesus Prayer, because I uh, was able to watch at least the first video um, that you've done with uh, the God With Us Online. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about that after we come back from the break. Uh, Father Maximos on air with us, uh, Nick Medelsky, Melissa Scaccio, in Rock and Roll Rochester at St. James Coffee. Stay tuned. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. This is Dr. Ryan Sapo with Lumen Vision in Fargo. Lumen Vision specializes in pediatric eye care and vision therapy. We partner with a national infant eye exam program called Infant C, which provides eye exams for any baby under 12 months old. Many of the major childhood eye problems, such as lazy eyes, eye turns, and ocular diseases, can be detected in this early intervention exam. Infant C eye exams can be scheduled online at www.lumen.vision. Lumen Vision is a proud supporter of babies everywhere and a proud sponsor of Real Presence Radio. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, Director of Advancement for Real Presence Radio with a creative gift planning tip. Do you want to make sure Real Presence Radio continues to receive your support in perpetuity? This can now be accomplished by establishing an individual endowment account in your name with a minimum gift of $10,000. A distribution will be made annually in your name to assure future generations will continue to hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ through the mission of Real Presence Radio. To learn more about establishing an individual endowment for Real Presence Radio, a gift which will last in perpetuity, Please call me, Mike Kidrowski, at 701-290-4503. State tax credits may apply in some states. Let's get started.
Rose Management is a family-owned business that believes in good morals, doing the right thing, and treating our residents as family. Rose Management provides housing to complexes throughout North Dakota and Minnesota. All Rose Management's properties and our maintenance staff are in a centralized location in their cities. For questions, Rose Management can be reached at 701-237-6840 or online at rosemanagement.net. Again, that number is 701-237-6840. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. And hello again, Real Presence Live listeners. Uh, Nick Medelsky here at St. James Coffee in wonderful Rochester, Minnesota. Melissa Scaccio here is my co-host for inaugural run. And we have... uh, Father Maximus on, uh, from Holy Resurrection Monastery speaking about uh, his own journey into the monastic life. Um, and now we're going to talk a little bit about Holy Resurrection Monastery and, as promised, uh, talk about the Jesus Prayer because that's part of the reason I, I uh, wanted Father Maximus on this morning uh, so we could talk about that as we're in the midst of the, the great fast, in the midst of Lent. Uh, so anyway, but before we get to that, uh, could you tell us a little bit about Holy Resurrection Monastery, and I know that's, again, a long story, uh, but uh, probably the cliff notes, um, you know, for our listeners, kind of uh, the birth of that monastery, which is probably part of your story of coming here to the United States, um, and all that wonderful stuff. So uh, take it away. Okay. (laughs) Well, there was once upon a time, um, in fact, it was 1994, uh, three Australians came out, including um, the man who's now the abbot, Father Nicholas. Mm. Uh, who, was, uh, as I said earlier, was was born in Ale- uh, uh, Cairo, actually, in Egypt. His, he migrated with his family to Australia when he was, I think, six or seven, so he was essentially Australian. And then there was, there was myself and another fellow um, that, we, that we knew, and uh, we all came out with the intention of starting a monastery back in Australia. We wanted to go and get uh, trained up in another Eastern mm. Catholic monastery, um, but we found when we got there that the, that, that monastery was um, not really the abbot was was not really on board with our with our what well, we thought we'd agreed. Mm. I think he thought we were just coming to, to join, uh, and that uh. and, which would have been okay. But the uh, the vision was slightly different. Uh, mm. not, not nothing not, that uh, they wanted to be more eremitical, more mm. more um, take away from from society and the world and the church, and we wanted to be more active. Mm. Um, so that. We you know, agreed mutually that that was uh, not going to be the best fit. So then what, the question was, well, what next? And so we wrote letters to bishops, and eventually a bishop um, who's now passed away, Bishop uh, George Kuzmar, um, yeah. said, yes, I'd love a monastery, and but I can't give you any money. <laughs> <laughs> That's always Classic the trick. story, right? <laughs> so uh, we, we, got, but we got started. We, we actually, you know, it's amazing. 1995, we officially started our... We were canonically established as a, as a, as they say, a pious association of the Christian faithful, mm. and then we were eventually raised to the status of a self-governing monastery of a monastic, of a, of a, of a parochial right, which means which we're directly under a bishop. A bishop mm-hmm. is now the um, Romanian Greek Catholic bishop in Canton, Ohio. That's where he's, he's based. Um, bishop John Michael Botin received us um, with the permission of Rome when we were when we were in, in 2000. And I think, yeah, that's mm. the year I was, I was ordained. Um, but the, uh, 
you know, the amazing thing is when I think back to those early days, we, we, we came out from Australia with absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. Hmm. And within a few weeks, we were given a place to stay. Uh, and within a few months, we were given land by hmm. some Franciscan friars in Southern California. So we got started on this land that we didn't have to pay for, uh, that was given to us. Everything, everything I look around that we have now today, and now we've moved since then to, to Wisconsin, uh, where we, where since 2011, have been situated here in lovely St. Nazian's, Wisconsin. Um, Nazian's, of course, is named after the Germanized form of Nazianzen. So it's mm-hmm. the, the patron of the church is St. Gregory Nazianzen, St. Gregory the Theologian in the Eastern Church. Right. Um, the, uh, which was one of the great attractions of, the, of this property when we were looking for it. Uh, right, providentially, right? Absolutely. Those, those German where settlers. You, where else could you find uh, a, a, a village named after one of our guys? <laughs> right. Um, yes, I thought, sort of lost my train of thought there, but uh, <laughs> the, uh, just the providence of God. Uh, I, look at, I look around and I think everything here has been given to us by God through his people. Everything. And I'm just so grateful for, to, to God's providence and his, um, his care for us. He really wants the monastic life to flourish again uh, against, uh, in, in a church which is supposed to be um, very monastic in its orientation, in, in which I'm afraid over the years, monasticism, traditional monasticism, um, has sort of uh, not flourished. Uh, mm. So it's, uh, it has to be re- 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 reborn. Uh, the other, that's the other thing. Um, when we got started in 1995, by, again, by coincidence, uh, maybe not so much coincidence, uh, Pope St. John Paul II uh, yep. published his um, uh, apostolic letter, Orientale Lumen, Light of the East, in which he used the monastic life, he praised the monastic life, the Eastern monastic life, and said it is the reference point for all the baptized. Hmm. Uh, in other words, there's something about the monastic life that's essential to the church, absolutely essential to it, and this has to be re- restored. And he called this explicitly for the um, uh, re- the support and um, fostering and nourishing of monastic life and the renewal of monastic life in the Eastern Catholic churches. And that was an amazing thing. I mean, talk about uh, a boost to the to the morale as we were getting started and wondering whether it was. was were we really following God's will? Well, this was pretty much a clarion call to, to continue on the way we were going. Uh, God was clearly working through his church uh, to support us, um, and uh, I think that it's borne fruit in our, in our modest, modest growth. We're now at seven members, so we've moved from three uh, to, to seven. And we were oh, holy eight. numbers. Listen to those numbers, three and seven. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Uh, we were eight, but uh, last year uh, we lost our oldest uh, Father Basil, our oldest monk, Father Basil, uh, to COVID, I'm afraid. But, so he's, he's moved over across the road to the cemetery, uh, mm. but he's, he's also a voice. Uh, he's also moved, more importantly, to a place where he can uh, perhaps address our prayers right. uh, more, more effectively <laughs> in this, in this Absolutely, absolutely. So um, we are kind of coming to the end of our time together on air, un- unfortunately, and I'm sure we'll have you on again uh, sometime. But one of the reasons I mentioned we, we I wanted to have you on is uh, because you're currently, uh, and I think it's 
two out of three have been done uh, so far, but a video uh, lecture uh, reflection series, uh, whatever you want to call it, on the Jesus Prayer uh, offered mm-hmm. through God with us online. So could you, um, again, uh, hate to do the cliff notes, uh, especially about something as important as the Jesus Prayer that's kind of foundational um, in our spirituality, uh, but could you maybe tell our listeners a little bit about what the Jesus Prayer is uh, and sort of give us a little, uh, I guess, teaser uh, for, for why they should look for those videos. Okay, the Jesus prayer is simply the phrase, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. Sometimes we add a sinner at the end. So it's Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, or have mercy on me, a sinner. Uh, the, the, form, the, the form of the words is that, that important, but that's just the, the traditional um, phrase that we use. It, why do we say it at all? We say it because we, we have the command in, in Scripture, 1 Thessalonians 5.12, where Paul says, pray without ceasing. He says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and all things give thanks to God. Uh, this is, we take this seriously, but the question is how? So the Jesus Prayer developed in the monastic milieu, but is the monastic uh, gift to the whole church mm. to enable people, everyone, to live out, if not their uh, exterior monastic vocation, which is what you know, we who take public vows to, uh, do, but everyone is called to what I, I like to call interior Monasticism, interiorized monasticism. In other words, by virtue of our baptism, we are called to prayer. By virtue of our baptism, we are called to total consecration of life in, according to our own uh, situation. And so the command to pray without ceasing does not, is not just addressed to monastics or religious, but to everyone who's baptized. And the Jesus Prayer enables, gives you a, a way of doing that. You know, St. Theophan the Recluse, a Russian saint of the last century, said, if you want to pray without ceasing, you first of all have to pray frequently. Mm. And so you can say this, this prayer over and over again while you're doing the dishes or while you're brushing your teeth or while you're waiting for a bus. Um, mm-hmm. any, 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 number of, any number of things. My father, I found out, I praise my nice Roman Catholic father, um, prays the uh, Jesus Prayer frequently. Beautiful. It's all the time. And... Um, it's just a, that's, I think it's probably good enough for my Wow, that's awesome. Like, that's so hard. Um, how, what does it look like to pray without ceasing? I've been asked that. I do a lot of youth outreach, and they're like, what does that look like? I have a much better answer now. <laughs> well, also, yeah. also, they didn't think there were still monks. So um, <laughs> I'm, I can tell them I talked to a real-life monk today when I see them. <laughs> yeah, often people say, I've often heard people say, because this is in Southern California, perhaps, but uh, are you Buddhist? That's the only yeah, kind of monk yeah. they've heard of. Yeah, and funny enough, the Ukrainian Catholic monastery in uh, Northern California uh, shares a property line with a Buddhist monastery. Yeah. So. <laughs> Very confusing for people. <laughs> little bit. Um, but uh, thank you uh, for telling us about that. If uh, people are interested in seeing those videos, they can go to godwithusonline.org. And there yeah. are a lot of different courses that are offered uh, through there. Um, it's a collaboration of the different um, Eastern Catholic uh, catechetical directors uh, from the different eparchies that's word we have for diocese here in the United States um, that kind of get together and have a lot of great speakers like Father Maximos on um, to talk and all of these are archived so even though the series is ongoing um, I think uh, three sessions right and you've already done two of them Um, so people can register to to watch the third one live um, uh, this coming Monday or you can go on and uh, you can watch that video afterwards uh, like I've been doing and uh, it's just a great way to uh, 
It's a great setup, really, uh, to yeah. be able to go back and watch those later on as well. I just want to say that the third one will be the most practical of all of them. So it's probably the best one for people to join in. The rest of the others were a little bit more on the abstract and theoretical side mm. in history. But the, uh, the third one will be how do we actually, how do you actually make this Jesus Prayer work for me in my real life, everyday life? Awesome. Awesome. Well, um, before we let you go, Father, uh, would you give us a blessing? Blessing of Almighty God be upon you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, now and ever, the ages of ages. Amen. 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 Thank you so much for joining us this morning, Father. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And thank you for joining us, listeners, on Real Presence Live. When we come back, we're going to be speaking with Monsignor Thomas Cook of the Diocese of Winona, Rochester, joining us from Rome. Stay tuned. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network.